0: sacred space
1: and welcome back to sacred space this morning on West Limic 102 on this the 8th of november on the program this morning i'm joined by john keely and anne in studio and on the phone all the way from west cork we're delighted to have alice taylor good morning alice good morning how are you keeping very well What's like? What's 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 it like down in your neck of the woods? Uh, what has it been like for the last couple of days? Well,
2: you know, changing weather, but we've had the We, we are having the most beautiful autumn. I know now we're into November and it's winter, mm. but, it's, it, but it's still autumn. I think it was because we had such a wet summer. Trees, shrubs, everything grew amazingly. There was an amazing growth. And um, now you see, we're in the the Bandon Valley, from Bandon in the Shannon Kinsale, Total wood, both sides of the road, all the way along. The colours of the trees at the moment would make your make your breath stop. You go, ooh, they're 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 magnificent this year. I think it's the most beautiful autumn
1: awesome we've had for years. So, it sounds wonderful, I have it's to say lovely. It absolutely lovely. sounds beautiful And of course, as you said, it is it is kind of We're just into the beginning of November It's hard to believe how fast, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the time is going And of course, one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you this week, Alice Is of course, November is very much a month of memories for people Because for many people, of course, November is the month of the dead It's when we, we, yeah. remember, we remember our loved ones
2: That's right, my mother never called it November She always called it the month of the Holy Souls hmm. And anyway i I suppose we you know, people visit graveyards more than they would normally. It, our or churchyard in the village now we have the graveyard around the church. Which I think in a way is lovely because you when you go to mass you pass in you, you, you pass your grave and um um people keep keep the graves beautifully and uh, it's lovely. I think a graveyard is such a restful place to walk mm. around and um you know, you, you, when you see the different names and you remember them and, and it's lovely. And I think a graveyard reflects a, a village or a town. I think a well-kept graveyard speaks volumes about a place and the respect people have for their dead. It's lovely to see the, the graveyards well cared for and, and, the, and the graves are well looked after and to
1: see people visiting their graves. I think it tells a lot about a place. It does, actually. I'd, I'd agree with you there. Actually, it just reminds me, actually, of a poem in one of your books. Uh, the book's called The Journey, and the poem is called The Men With Size. And I love it. It talks about, actually, uh, keeping the graveyard. And and uh, there's a great line in it when you talk about the crack of the blade on stone That's brought right. forth blessings on the dead, which talks about, you know, the cutting of the grass with size. That's right. There that was way
2: back when we had, um, you know, we used to do the, the graveyard, Uh, maybe once every couple of months. Now it's maintained regularly with a voluntary group and they come uh, once a week and it's done. But that time... It wasn't done regularly, and Mm. um, so then every you know every couple of months we'd organize a team. When I say they brought sides, that will make you realise how far back it was. And (laughs) bring sides, and these were farmers, countrymen, Mm. and it was lovely. I used to be there with them, and I loved it because you know they they they'd uncover a stone, and invariably they knew who was under that Mm stone, and they were able to tell the stories about it. Yeah. And, you know, in a sense, I can remember thinking at the time, well, how lovely this is. And when it was all finished, in a, you know, the dusk could be coming in and the moon would rise behind the church. And you think, well, what a beautiful scene.
1: Mm. No. And you have a lovely line at the end of it It's the living giving dignity to the dead and I, think, yes. I think that's a wonderful A wonderful way of describing it And of course like you said your November as the month of the Holy Souls There's that great tradition in this And the recalling of memory I suppose In, in some respects what, what do you remember I suppose in particular You mentioned your mother there But is there anything else that you in particular remember About the traditions around November
2: Yeah I don't know if you remember these now But there was a thing called the rounds. mm and um, you'd go into the church. You, you'd say, "I think it's on our Father, Six Head Mary, isn't it, Gloria? Mm-hmm. I'm not 110 percent sure now that that was it. But our secondary school was in the town, was um, beside the church, and we used to get time off to do the rounds. I mean, we were, we were about 12, 14, or 15 at the time. Now I don't know whether we were whether we were motivated by religious fervor or just, <laughs> <laughs> or just <laughs> or time out of class. But we did we did. Um, the rounds, and I remember at that time as well. There was a thing called High Mass. Mm. That did, and um, we used to go down to the church, the choir, and it, it went on for a long time. You know, there was um, this, the 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 priest would sing out some invocation, and the choir would answer, and it was you know it was extremely solemn,
3: mm.
2: uh, much longer than an ordinary mass. It's there no longer now. We don't have that any longer in the church. I don't know what happened. It wound down anyway.
1: Mm. Yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah the old the the, the old, uh, requiem masses of course were were much That's longer what I was talking about <laughs> like particularly, yeah, particularly particularly if they were singing as you said some of the more longer like yeah. the D series and, and things like that it's yeah it's amazing how things have changed in that regard but I suppose you know Alice looking looking at it I suppose and you know the whole evocation of memory because you know one of the great things I suppose we could say about your books and I was actually looking at the list and I hadn't actually realized how many of these you would actually written because I suppose most people would associate with you, with, of course, with school to the fields. And I was looking, and I can't believe that was published in 1988. That's right. It's, you know, when you go back, and I'm just looking down to the list, and I think to myself, yeah, we have that one, we have that one. You've quenched the lamp and the village and country days and the night before Christmas. Um, and then, of course, you, you took a break and you decided to write some um, fiction. So you went for the women of the house.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and, of course, yeah. then there was a number of poetry books along there as well.
2: Yeah. And then I did the parish Yes, yes. And, and, you know, the parish, I think, was was um, it, it was a kind of a natural step along the way because first the School for the Fields looked back. The parish recorded a, a typical mm-hmm. parish in today's Ireland. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I was trying to do there. And um, because, you know, the way we think oh, this will never change, mm. this is the way things are, which, of course, will change. Mm-hmm. And the format of a parish as it is today, which is great because it's a scaffolding for a community. You have the church, you have the parish hall, and the, the, the whole thing still functions around the concept of a parish. Mm. And that's fierce important because it kind of holds the community together, and it, which is hugely important. Mm-hmm. You know, and I see here now that um, we have a few new housing estates at the, in the village, and the church, in a way, is, is a great community um, link,
3: mm-hmm. you
2: know, when they come and they meet people outside the church afterwards. So it serves, you know, it serves more than than, than, than a religious purpose. And I don't know if you have it in Limerick, but we have here, here the Stations, I'm not talking about the stations of the cross now. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: stations of the different houses. The
2: stations of the different houses. Mm. I think that's a lovely tradition mm. because the neighbours gather, and especially if there's new houses built in that townland, and mm. um, they come in and they meet the neighbours and they pray together and they, they have their tea and they, they you know it's it's a great it's a great social um, ne- network as well. The stations, and I think they're, that's they're serving a huge purpose.
1: Mm. It's, it's an important point, actually, you raise, because, of course, we're living in a challenging time where maybe a parish might necessarily have its own resident priest anymore. Yeah. But, of course, as, as, you know, but it goes back to the point. The priest isn't the parish identifier. The parish identifies itself in terms of how it as a community comes together.
2: That's right. And so long, you see, for a long, long time, uh, the parish was identified as the priest. Mm. And but um, I suppose that was a misconception in a way, but that was the way it was. But most parishes now, um you know, that had maybe two or three priests have only now one and they're worked to the distraction point. I mean they're trying to cope with so much. So the lady are coming on board. And you know what I think, you know, acceptance of the lady doing things. Now we have this preconceived notion that is that that the church are hesitant to come forward and that's true in 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 some ways but the lady i think have a huge problem in accepting the lady
3: Mm.
2: we are really conditioned i said don't i suppose this is our history we kind of think we need a priest for everything Mm. but we can't have it anymore because he's not there Mm. so the lady will have to accept the
1: That's, 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 a, that's a very very valid point but we're kind of used to tugging the forelock a small bit yeah
2: you, you see we, we're kind of preconditioned mm. but you see I mean should the, 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 if you think back uh, before in Ireland when somebody died they died at home the wake was at home we never they never saw a priest until they came to the church mm-hmm. then the funeral parlors came on board <laughs> They roped in the priest. He had to be there, you know. He, he had to be there for the rosary. He had to be there for several bits, all other different bits and pieces. Whereas um, the people led yeah, the rosary. There was always someone, you know, a neighbor. So the people did a lot more in earlier times. That changed, but now I think we we'll we have to go back because it should it should be resting with the laity.
1: Mhm. It's, it's an important point. It's, it's something I know John Lorraine picks up again and again in the program. Is this whole kind of uh, taking responsibility for ourselves? we you know we should we should still be wet from our baptism in many respects. It just doesn't happen as we're children, and that's the end of it. And I love that idea that Lorraine has some from, from time to time when she when she's on the program. But I suppose Alice. I suppose one of the things I suppose I, I actually we, that expression you used from your mother actually is a lovely one. November being the month of the, the month holy, of the, the holy souls. And, and
2: isn't I, it, I mean, Does it conjure up a lovely image and I think during November they're closest to us you know yes. you're more conscious of your of your yeah. family members and your friends that are gone, I feel that anyway we have here in the church and in the Shannon uh, we have um, you know the adoration now we had one day in, in the two churches, well three churches actually up to and in the Shannon and
3: um,
2: on Wednesdays here we have the perpetual adoration all day and you know it's rotated, everyone does the, do their hours, mm, maybe two yeah. or three in the prayer room at church. Yeah. And um, so it's there. But I, I love the hour because you go in and I, you know, you meditate for an hour. There's just peace and quiet. Nobody talks. And um, there's, a, there's something lovely about stillness. Just the stillness for an hour. Mm. And I was, yesterday I was, which was on here, and I was up there for the hour. And um, I thought... There was a richness about it because it was November, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of felt the holy souls are closer to us in November. No, they're always close to us, but I think we are more conscious of it in November, just we, we left the, the, the you know the perception of the closeness, but in November, I think we, we are more conscious of them, that,
1: that we bring them closer to us. ourselves we November. open ourselves up, if you like.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We'll we do we do, and it it is something because i i i have i've worked overseas and and one of the things that always strikes me is how we do funerals in ireland yes and well particularly in rural ireland yeah. um cities is slightly different yeah. um you know but particularly and particularly in contrast to our neighbors in the u k oh yeah
2: it's, don't, you know, it's all there you know
1: yeah, <laughs> and and it's 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 you know it's the whole sense that it's it's there's a, a kind of a, a, a gathering around or yeah. a mehel almost to,
2: to yeah. the dead. Yeah, I think we do a great job on funerals. Mm. I mean, I think you know you can't ignore that, and you know in some in some cultures. They almost try to do that. Mm. They treat it as a non-event. It isn't a non-event, mm-hmm. and it has to be. And I think rituals get people through. It.
1: Yes, and ritual, ritua- as you said now, very important word there is the ritual of getting ritual. through it, and how we. And it's not just we're not just talking about the rituals of prayer, but no. even the whole thing of people coming to sympathise. Yeah. Maybe neighbours helping to open the graves, although that's not as common as it once was. No, uh, you know, but it's those things. It's, there's a, everyone knows there's a process for dealing with.
2: There is, people. and people, and the, there's a, a, a habit here now. You know, when there's a wake on, people people bring, they cook and they bring cake and different things. The neighbours provide the food in the house, oh, and I there's think. something lovely about that.
3: Mm-hmm. It's,
2: it's as if the whole community. Um, come in and the people the family who, you know who were grieving they don't have to do anything about kitchen for the funeral the neighbours do it in the kitchen
1: mm-hmm. and, and I think now, that's a I nice. have to say now I, can, I can associate that very personally with my my own grandmother died in August and I have to say a number of the neighbours came in and they were great to help us yeah. out over the few days of the, of the funeral yeah. so they were, they're absolutely, they were absolutely mighty
2: yeah that's a great I think that's a great custom. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's,
2: as well as that, if the wake is in the house, uh, people stand around and they talk about the person and they tell stories, and and often the family hear things that they mightn't know because older people who knew the, you know, the the person who died when they were much younger, and it's a great you know, it's a great gathering and a great sort of a sustaining for the family. And yeah, I think it's, it, I, that's a great process.
1: Mm. Now, as you said, it's, it's, it's a process, I suppose, of kind of, of handling it. And yeah. in particular, I was very struck by your book and the name of it is me right now about and Time Stood Still As Time Stood Still yeah. and it was a wonderful book yeah. I have to say now I, I read it I was, I was away when I got it and I read it and there was, there was stories and that you said was, you, you shared your experiences of dealing with the deaths yes. of different members and friends of the family yes. Yes. and it, it, you know, it, can you tell us kind of what was your kind of idea behind it and, and, what, and kind of the things that struck you as you were writing Well it?
2: I'll tell you now how that evolved when I wrote The Parish I kind of felt well part of every parish is a is a funeral, and um, before I had written the parish, my husband had died. He died quite suddenly, and um, uh, I wrote about the whole, you know, about it in the parish. And um, a lot of people said to me afterwards, you know, that helped me, you know, because when you're kind of bogged down in grief, there's there are times when you think, God, am I lo- am I losing my mind? I, I'm absolutely you get submerged in grief, and there are certain we need kind of certain handrails to get us through. And, um, I think that's what, when, when you read what somebody who has walked in the shoes has written, you think, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is okay. Like, and so then, um, when my publisher came to me after that, he said, would you ever think of doing a book on, on bereavement? Mm. And I thought, oh, my God, I thought, kill me. <laughs> so mm. I thought, after a while, anyway, I thought, right, I will. Because the funny thing about it, you know, John, is that a lot of the books on bereavement are written by Americans mm. and, and, and by... Um, other nationalities now we Irish are very good at funerals but not that many people have written books on on bereavement now Christy Kennelly I remember was the first one I ever read he wrote a book called Sorry for your trouble and he did it you know did it so well and um, so I thought God there's a kind of a shortage of books about how we deal with funerals and grief in Ireland so I wrote it from you see I think in a way you have to have walked in the shoes, as I said, to be able to write it, and I had written um, about Gabriel's death, my husband's death, while I was still grieving. And I think then, um, when somebody is reading that, you know instinctively whether it's being written from the heart or from the, the suffering of the person writing it. You know, Tolstoy says it says that you write best when. Blood drips off the end of the nib. Oh yeah, isn't that a terrible concept?
1: Yeah, it conjures up. Yeah, but but I yeah we know what you're saying. Yeah, but I
2: think that's it. So I started Mm. at when I was six. um, I had a little brother, Connie. He died. He was four. And a child uh, concept of death is, um, it's 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 amazing, you know. And but I I was amazed when I started to write it, how much I remembered.
0: Mm.
2: How much I remembered of that. Um, even though I was only six. And then over the years, different deaths and the family. Uh, I, I, I went through them all and um, my experience. And, you know, I kind of hoped as I wrote it that people read it would would, would feel, well, she's been there and I am here now too. But I think the message I want to get through is that you will survive. You know, even though there are days, you know, you think, oh, my God, will I ever be be ever be all right again? But you will. And, you know, you only just have to, to keep going. And that's where friends and neighbors come in. And that's the one thing for funerals in Ireland. We're great together. We're great to be there. But let me tell you, it's the people in the months afterwards, yeah. the friend who calls in? The friend who writes the letter, the friend who lifts up the phone. It's the friends who are there in the, the terrible months after after death. They are the people that help you. I remember the, the, after my husband dying, I was inside the in the putting clothes into the washing machine one morning, and and a couple of weeks after, and you know something, I felt like going to the washing machine with them.
3: Mm. And the
2: next time the door opened, and a great friend of mine came in. And she said, how are you? I said, I'm terrible. And um, she said, come in. We'll make down the fire. And we'll sit down by the fire. And you see, she had buried her husband He died of cancer a couple of months previously. She said to me, the one thing she said I learned, if he died, her husband died in December. Every morning she said, I put down the fire. Because she said, you're cold into the marrow of your bone when you grieve mm. and you need warmth. So she said, every day I lit the fire. And I sat beside the fire whenever I got the chance. And then she said, as soon as the, the winter went and the fine weather came, I went into the garden, worked in the garden. And I worked as long as I could with the garden. And I actually found that there's great healing in the earth. And I couldn't explain it, but if you're feeling very, very bad and you go out and you start digging in the garden something happens. There's healing. You, you get healed. After an hour or two, you're better. It's an extraordinary process. And um, I remember saying this to him, um, a, a friend of mine who was home from, from America. And you're with Americans. The Americans do tests on everything. And I was saying, the earth is healing when you're grieving. And he said, do you know, he said, they have proved that in America. They have done tests on mice, apparently. Mm. And they found work, working with the
3: earth
2: um, makes, gives people more stamina and calms them. Oh, there's right. something, there's some bacterium in the earth that does that to people. And I say, I say it's a proven fact. I didn't know anything about this, this theory. Mm. Yeah. But I found digging the earth healed me. I felt I, I got better. And you know, I think going back, if you think of Ireland in earlier times, when times were tough and there was poverty and hardship, I think that time they went out, they ploughed the fields.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
2: think out there ploughing the fields, if you think about it, th- this is with horses farmered out, up and down the field all day. I think out there in the solitude of the field, men, God, nature, they found God, they found their souls. Mm. Out there. It, it, I mean, it was meditation. It was walking meditation.
1: It was actually that's a, actually that's a beautiful way of saying it, Alice. It was a form of of walking meditation. And you know, Alice, if you if you were if you were to you know to our listeners this morning now, particularly someone maybe that might have uh, undergone a bereavement kind of in the last twelve months, mm. and you know this might be the first month of the Holy Souls. Yeah. And if you were to kind of you know pull up the chair with them and have a cup of tea. Mm. What kind of would be kind of the main piece of advice maybe that you would give them?
2: You know, John, I actually think the best you can do is listen to them. Mm. Because, you know, they, they need to talk it out. And, and, to, and what, I, what I really say is be whatever way you are.
1: Mm.
2: There's no prescription. There's no recipe. There's no right way to be. Mm-hmm. Whatever way you are, be that way because grief is like a river it's like a tide and you know you in the initial stages you have to go with it because if you block a river it will circumvent and come, come in another way mm-hmm. so go with it and just just let it be and after a while you'll ease out of it but I found that um, you know I had tapes that I'd listened to. I'd walked. I I went out in the garden, walked with it, and um, be very kind to yourself because you have been, you know, if you were after big operation, you would be very careful. You'd be, you'd look after yourself. After bereavement, you're wounded. You're wounded, and I, I remember my sister saying to me, "When you're bereaved, you're bleeding inside, and you are bleeding inside. You might appear normal, but you're not." Mm-hmm. So I think you need, you know, go for massages, go for an Indian head massage, go for everything that helps. Be very kind to yourself, you know. Light um, a lavender candle. Lavender is very calming. Mm-hmm.
3: Light
2: a lavender ca- you know, ca- um, ca- candle. Uh, sit by the fire cast it yourself and be very kind to yourself and avoid people that irritate
1: you, <laughs> you can right. Alice what we'll do then we'll just take a break now for a minute we have to listen to another piece of music and we'll come back to them after the break John
4: okay thank you guys so this bit of music now we'll go for is from Noel Henry's album How Can I Keep From Singing and this one's entitled The Song of Thanks so let's hear this
0: I can see now As I walk This path of life Along with sunshine Comes a little strife And with it Often comes A broken heart And you feel like Your whole world Has come apart And then From out the darkness Comes a light A light that says I'm here To help you fight A light That shines so brightly from above. If we only put our trust in His great love, Lord, you've opened up my eyes, and now I see the wondrous gifts. That you have given me Like my health, my friends, my faith and family And living in a country that is free So help me, Lord To realize and say A prayer of thanks For each and every day For I know not What tomorrow has in store And soon you may be knocking At my door I used to work Long hours Every day And at times I thought I don't have time to pray Or spend time with my family That I love And my children That I am so proud of Like so many In my search for happiness I never realized, as you might guess That around me all the time were the real treasures And material things And wealth are Passing pleasures Lord you've opened Up my eyes And now I see The wondrous gifts That you have Given me Like my health My friends, my faith, and family, and living in a country that is free. So help me, Lord, to realize and say a prayer of. For each and every day For I know not what tomorrow has in store And soon you may be knocking at my door Sacred Space.
4: So welcome back again to the third and final part of Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley, I join the studio here by Anne, and I'm sure you'd all uh, must be really enjoying this this, this wonderful um, conversation between Shane and a good friend Alice Taylor, who's joining us all the way from Cork. So Shane, I'll let yourself and and Alice, uh, talk away please. Thanks
1: very much, John. Alice, just before the break, we were just, we were just reflecting, I suppose, on, on, on ways, I suppose, for people, particularly at this time of the year, who might be feeling a bit blue, I suppose, particularly as the evenings close in and and, and and how to deal with things. And I was just looking there at a couple of your poems in the book, The Journey, and there was two in particular I was wondering if you'd be so kind maybe to read for us. Mm-hmm. And the first one is The Backyard. Could you tell us maybe a bit about this one?
2: Well, The Backyard... Um my husband died in November, and um, always before before Christmas we had the tradition. I suppose I brought it from the farm where I grew up. They'd be big clean up for Christmas,
3: mm-hmm.
2: so I went out in the backyard, feeling oh my God, so bad, and I thought, oh God, will I wash, clean up the place, hose it down, tidy up the place? And I, I, I mean, I'm a pure stupid where water hoses is concerned. I, I mean, Gabriel always linked them up. And when I was taxing the water hoses, I thought, oh, Mother of God, can I manage this? And I came in and I wrote this poem, and the poem is called The Backyard. Yesterday I washed the backyard with a mind full of throbbing pain. Scalding tears joined pipe water through hoses that you had connected. It is in the ordinary, everyday things that I miss you most. When all was clean and rearranged, I asked myself, why did I bother? But you were never one to sit and moan. You would have kept going, and so must I. Because savage grief must be worked through and grappled with hour by hour, so that one day your memory becomes
1: a glorious tub of flowers. I love that last line, that one day your memory will become a glorious tub of flowers. Yeah,
2: I'd have a lot of tubs in the backyard and Mm. I I suppose I kind of thought, you know, come spring there'll be daffodils and tulips and uh, primroses and, you know, that would be a sort of a celebration of Gabriel rather than, you know, rather than mourning. So you know, I think beautiful things,
1: when you create beautiful things, you bring back beautiful memories. You said to me before we came on air that the next poem is actually one of your favorites, I think. Yeah. And it's called Kindness.
2: Kindness. I think kindness is one of the most wonderful virtues in the world. I think kindness oils the wheels of life for everybody. You know, if, you, if you're if you not feeling great and you meet somebody that's very kind, the world is a better place afterwards, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And this poem is called Kindness. The warmth of your kindness kept me in my mind. Its worth could not be measured. It had goodness undefined. You held out a caring hand when I was full of pain. You thawed my frozen being and made me live again. And it's,
1: a I beautiful, think it's a beautiful piece,
2: Alice. Yeah, I think that's what kindness does. Your, if you're in a frozen state, you meet somebody who's kind, and it, it, thaws the, it
1: thaws the ice inside in you. Mm. I suppose one question, Alice, maybe just to, to, to see. You know, I was listening recently to a podcast of the late John Moriarty, and it was an yes. interview that he did mm. with uh, Joe Duffy on Liveline. Yeah. And it was around the time he was diagnosed as having cancer. And I thought it was a wonderful, life-giving interview. And he spoke about the way that for him, he refused to describe himself as being terminally ill. He said to him, death is not a terminus, it's a doorway through. Yeah, something greater.
2: Yeah, John Moriarty was an amazing man. Mm-hmm. You know, I met him a few times. I was at one of his book launches, and he was extraordinary. Um you know, in, in, now his his writings were amazing. I couldn't understand the half of it. <laughs>
1: that makes two of us. <laughs> oh
2: my God! I mean, he is an amazing mind.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: when you when you come onto the bits you couldn't understand, mm-hmm. they were treasures. And he had this lovely story, and I thought it was a wonderful story in one of his books, where he was at home at the home. Farm, and um, well, as you probably know, he was a, he was a professor in the university in Canada, and he said that he he gave it all up because he kind of felt his brain was clogged, and then he spent the rest of his life on learning learning what clogged his brain mm. to get back to nature. But anyway, he went out on the on the home farm, and um, his sister was living there, and uh, they were all gone to the stations of the cross, and he he himself and his niece that there was a cow due to calf. And himself and his, little, his niece. She was a little girl about six,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: um, they went out to watch, to watch to mind the coke having. And the little girl said to him, "You know," he, she said, um, "I came out of Mammy's tummy."
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, John said, "Oh yeah." And she and he said, "And Mammy?" Oh, he said, "Mammy came out of nana's tummy."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And John said, "And Nana." Oh, she said, Nana was always there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: like, what uh, a what, uh, what, uh, figure Nana was in her world. And I tell that story, actually, in my latest book, which is called The Women. Yes. And in The Women, I, I pay tribute to the, you know, they, they were amazing women, and there still are, that we hear nothing about, the foreign women of Ireland. That, you know, they reared the children, they ran the house, they ran the farmyard. They were the first of the working wives. They were extraordinary. And then you had the chaplain woman. We had a chaplain woman here. Her mm. mother was a chaplain woman. Her mother before that was a chaplain woman. You had the nurse. The nurse who delivered, I mean, it was all home births that time who delivered the babies. Then you had the nuns. I, I feel sorry for the nuns now, they're fierce belting. Because, I mean, the nuns did great things. They ran our hospitals it's mm-hmm. an amazing level of efficiency they educated the country they went out and they took education all over the world and in this book I do um, a chapter on, on a nun who, who went out on the missions and I always wanted to know how did they get on there's a chapter about the poor clairs I've always been hugely curious how the poor clairs mm-hmm. survive yeah. and um Amazing. I found it an amazing experience to go in and talk to Port Clare and document how they lived. There's a story there about a woman from Eccle Island, 94, lived all her life on Eccle Island. They had an amazing life. If we thought we had poverty in the mainland, they had far more poverty. But all these women, unheralded, uncelebrated, but the life force and the backbone of Ireland.
1: And that, that book, Alice, is, is, is just newly
2: published, is it? It's just out. It just came out in October. It's called The Women. Because the women, you know, that expression, my father would always say, I mean, my father had five daughters. Who called? Oh <laughs> and he would always say, like, oh, oh, my God, he used to say, pity the man that has five daughters. But anyway, he'd say, oh, if somebody called and he was on his own, he'd say, oh, the women are gone to town. Mm-hmm. And I even he's married here to a farmer, so the, the, the village. And he would still say that, oh, the women are gone. And it's a very rural term, the women.
3: Mm-hmm. And it
2: mm-hmm. kind of signified the strength of women.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not kind of meant derogatorily at all. No,
2: yeah. no, oh, God, no. It's anything boots Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a tribute because, um, I mean, I look back and think of my grandmother. My grandmother ran the farm when my grandfather died quite young, but she ran the farm, but she was a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. There was extremely strong women laced throughout the community when they had really, you know, I mean, they had no inheritance rights or things like that, but still, they kept going quite all the odds.
1: They did. And they had
2: great faith. I mean, we knelt down every night and we said the rosary. Mm-hmm. And there, I think the rosary has an amazing strength. And um, you know, if if bad news comes into your house, or there's a sudden death or anything, and there's total confusion, and and you know everybody is bereft, if the people need, I've i would experienced of that here. If somebody says we'll kneel down and we'll say the rosary,
3: mm-hmm.
2: it restores. Tranquility and calmness and I think it's the Hail Mary Holy Mary that's a mantra
3: mm-hmm. you can't
2: mind so. so I think the rosary um, you know it served a lot of purposes you know and you know when you think about it now a lot of the practices of our childhood we got all snapped in and sophisticated and we thought, oh for God's sake that's all old fashioned but now I think we're going to we're having a second look and what we decided was old fashioned sure it had decades of wisdom built into it. Built into it. Yeah, like yeah. the rose of the wakes. Lots of thing, things were, they were very well thought out. Mm-hmm. Even though we thought they weren't, but they were.
1: Alice, I'm afraid we're running out of time, and I have to say I'm very sorry that we are, because I could sit and talk to you for another hour. Well, is we nice? back again on the programme at some stage. Yeah, yeah. I'd be
2: delighted to come on any time.
1: Yes, it was wonderful having you on the programme this morning.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: I have to say. And thank you very much for sharing with us your wisdom, particularly for people, you know, in this in this year. And like you said, your new book is out. It's called The Women. And as 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 Gabo used to say, available from all good bookshops.
4: <laughs>
1: John, back to you.
4: Alice, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It was a pleasure having you on and no doubt we'll have you on again. Thank you very much. And Shane, thank you so much for joining us from Dublin. We're going for the final bit of music, and I think there's only one piece of music really that I can play. I have to listen to Alice there. Really, it was all about people. We need people so much in our lives. This one is from uh, Mark Forrest, from his album Centre Stage, and this one is entitled People. So next week, God bless you all, and thank you for joining us. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.
5: There are some very special people
0: sacred space.